Well, good afternoon, Wisconsin. Jerry Bader in for the vacationing Jeff Wagner. And, boy, do we have a lot of stuff to talk about. I do want to start, though, with a point of personal privilege. I did this on Twitter. This is my first opportunity to do it more publicly than that. And that is offer uh, my family's deepest condolences to the Walker family on the death of the governor's father. And, sadly, we are going to have to treat that as a topic a little later, because not everybody on Twitter was offering condolences. I think you can guess, sadly, where that's going to go. And it's actually going to get into a a bigger topic about, is it just real to concede that the two political ideologies or the two dominant political ideologies in Wisconsin, or not Wisconsin, in America, including Wisconsin, hate each other? The evidence is strong, and you saw it on display in all its, well, not glory, in the Kavanaugh hearings. We're going to get to that. By the way, pretty much all things Kavanaugh confirmation in the 1 o'clock hour, including a conversation with Republican strategist Mark Grawl on on, on exactly what that means in terms of politics. I want to do this right now, though. I want to uh, make a request. If you watched... The CBS show last night, God Friended Me. I want to talk to you later in the hour, okay? If you want, but not even just last night. Uh, Last night was the second episode. In the past two weeks since it has been on CBS, it was on its regular time. Football apparently did not run late uh, last night because we missed the first 15 minutes in our house. God Friended Me. I want... I guess a review, particularly, not necessarily exclusively, but particularly if you are someone of faith. I want to know, and I'll explain why when we get there. We'll be doing that in just a few minutes. Uh, Where I want to start, though, a couple of stories that I I think, and I want to just give them very brief treatment, at least here, I think are really, in some ways, the big stories of the day, and and you've heard them on WTMJ throughout the morning, and including on Steve's show and in the news. Remember, as the whole Kavanaugh allegations was exploding, all of a sudden there is this story that Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein had suggested wearing a wire when he talked with President Trump and toward the end of invoking the 25th Amendment and that clause in that amendment about removing the president if not, he or she is not uh, able to serve, incapacitated, and so on. Rosenstein adamantly denied that, and then all of that got shelved, and then the president today says, yeah, never mind, no, I, I have no intentions of firing Rod Rosenstein. I find that fascinating. In fact, we are going to have a guest on the show later in the week with a Republican group that feels necessary to protect Rosenstein and Mueller. But for the moment, the president, nope, 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 not thinking about such a thing. Nope, nope, nope. There was, remember, there was going to be the big meeting and everything else, and poof, it got pushed aside for, uh, again, because of all things Kavanaugh. So I I think that's fascinating that the president has said that. I don't believe the two men are on good terms at all. I don't know if that was true, that Rosenstein suggested that the president is dangerous and all of that. That, of course, comports with the things that we're hearing 
from uh, uh, anonymous New York Times opinion pieces and books you know, that those around the president don't think he's competent. All, all, all of that, uh, very interesting. The other one is the big debate tonight. And yeah, it is big. It's not the only debate, but it is a big debate between incumbent Democratic Senator Tammy Baldwin and State Senator Republican challenger Leah Bukmir. Again, uh, those that debate airing on uh, WTMJ-TV Channel 4 in Milwaukee and WGBA-TV Channel 26 in Green Bay. The Journal Sentinel in its preview says the big story is going to be Healthcare. Expect a big clash on this issue, which is central to the campaign. We are going to talk more about this in the next hour with Republican strategist Mark Grawl. But I will tell you, I actually agree with that. I understand everything else in Washington is sucking up the oxygen. But if you actually do take a moment and talk to Wisconsin voters about issues, that is, I'll tell you, it is in our house. And that is the big issue. And I think it is going to be an interesting clash in philosophies and ideologies on that issue I, I really i think that is something to watch obviously there are others there's going to be the whole conversation about the supreme court confirmation obviously that's the elephant in the room but in terms of meat and potatoes when you're really talking about issues i do think that's one to watch more on that though in the next hour coming up in just a couple of minutes Again, one more shout-out. If you happen to have seen the new CBS TV show, God Friended Me, we're going to want to hear from you in just a bit. 1213 News Radio, WTMJ. Jerry Bader in for Jeff Wagner. I've got to tell this is going to sound dumb, I know, but what you just heard there, I think was one of the highlights for me, and I listened to the game, not only do I not have MLB, I, just, I inadvertently blew out almost all the sports stuff on DirecTV at, at my house. So I have, I've, I've, listened, I've listened to the uh, tie-breaking game with the Cubs. I've listened to the three games with the Rockies. Listen to Bob Euchre. I've got to tell you, hearing Euchre at the end of the games getting all fired up as, when, they, when they won the tiebreaker with the Cubs, and then the sweep yesterday, the great games, don't get me wrong, all of that. But just hearing Bob Euchre, who the voice for so many, 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 many years, uh, hasn't been in this rarefied air as a play-by-play guy with the Milwaukee Brewers. And it's just, that's really what, man, I'm waiting for that last out just to hear that. It's awesome. And we'll be talking more about the Brewers coming up uh, in just a little bit. All right, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620. I'll throw that out. And again, if you have seen any of the first two episodes of a new TV show called God Friended Me, I would ask you of doing the courtesy of just giving a call. don't want to say exactly what I am looking for from you, but apparently, at least in the first week, some 11 million people Watch them, assuming that includes some in Wisconsin. Uh, so if you are among those, would like to hear from you. Again, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 414-799-1620. If you are not aware, we'll wait and see if anybody besides my wife and I in Wisconsin thus far uh, have watched that show. 
We are always appreciative when there is something on television for people of faith. But there have been some clunkers of late. Now, there have been some extremely popular shows over the years that deal with someone who is uh, a servant of God. There's Touched by an Angel, Highway to Heaven, Joan of Arcadia, and those all had varying degrees of success. As time goes on, though, and more and more people uh, determine, or I should say list their faith as none, more and more people in America today are saying they have no religious affiliation, or they just flat out don't believe in God. It's going to be interesting to me to see who this show appeals to. And here's the other thing. If you read the reviews of this show, there's, there seems to be three categories, if you will. People of faith who think it's okay. People of faith who think it's heretical, blasphemous, you, you shouldn't watch it if you're a true believer. And non-believers who think it's kind of sappy, but ah, it's okay. I can tolerate it. If this ends up being a show that people watch and it's a rating success, even if I'm a non-believer that the critics are writing, I'll be okay with it. I want to see where you fall on that, particularly if you are a person of faith, because I will tell you, there is some harsh criticism out there from people of faith who think it has to follow uh, exactly what the Bible teaches, or you shouldn't watch it. Let's go to Paul in Neshkoro. Paul, hi, you're on WTMJ. Hi, I really like the show. Uh, I am a person of faith. Uh, I'm a Lutheran, and whether it is exactly as the Bible states or not, anything that brings God into this uh, society these days, I think is fabulous. I absolutely agree with you 100%, Paul. I wanted to wait until we had the first pitch, as it were, before I, before I told you what I felt. I absolutely agree with that. It doesn't, look, I, for the most part, it comports, the character is an atheist, who, I'm not giving too much away here, is friended on Facebook by God. And here's, Paul, where I think it's good, and this is where I think it appeals to believer and non-believer alike, it's so clearly actually God talking to him, yet he remains, at least after two episodes, in denial. And, you know, there's some hells and dams and a little bit of alcohol drinking in there. And for the purists, that makes it unwatchable. I think for people of faith, it's just fine. I agree with you 100%. I, I enjoyed a movie that was based on the, kind of the same thing called God's Not Dead. And my wife and I have watched couple episodes of that movie and this follows kind of that and we just love that type of movie hey, thanks a lot for the call paul appreciate it uh on the acunet mortgage talk and text line 414-799-1620 here's here's where i think uh this show and this is the next place I'm going to take this conversation. Here's where I think this show is going to be successful, and here's why. And this is going to sound kind of weird. Because of what we saw in the last week in America, I think people, particularly a certain demographic, and maybe it's an older demographic, and that would include me, by the way. Maybe it's a younger demographic. But honestly, it's a feel-good show. 
And I will tell you that in the last few years, there are shows I have simply abandoned. Most dramatic shows in America today have something in common. Don't know if you've ever picked up on this, but all of the quote-unquote heroes really aren't very good people. It's, it's, it's really just the reality. So if you have any thoughts on this, we can take a couple more calls, and I'll tell you what I mean by that uh, in just a minute. 414-799-1620, why I think this show is going to work. 1223 News Radio WTMJ. Jerry Vader in for Jeff Wagner. We are going to be talking uh, Brewers later in the show, including has Brewer Fever caught all throughout Wisconsin. Talking right now, every once in a while, network television tries a show about faith, and it either appeals to people of faith, hacks them off, does both. Uh, People not of faith don't see anything in it for them. Quick 20-second review on this before we take a call. I think it's a very good show, and I think the climate, the political climate in America right now plays into a feel-good show that comes on after 60 minutes, which it does on CBS. I think this is, I don't think it's going to be a monster hit, but I think it's going to have some legs. And I will tell you right now, though, it's polarizing. There are people of faith who are writing reviews, well, it's, it doesn't do this and it doesn't do that. It is mostly the God that I believe in. It's not perfect. I'm not going to church. I'm watching TV. I would, however, if you are not a person of faith, give it a try. I just I think in these times where people are looking for something where the two halves of the country aren't at war, you would enjoy it. To Stephanie in Green Bay. Stephanie, hi, you're on TMJ. Hello, I'm calling from Green Bay. I absolutely love the show. I absolutely love it. I, it's what do you I love live. about it? Uh, it's how I live. I believe it. I believe these coincidences happen, and they're not really coincidences. And and for those who don't haven't watched the show, Stephanie, thanks a lot for the call. This is what I love about it, is people who believe don't believe in coincidences. They think everything is part of a plan, God's plan. In this show, he's in denial of that. He just doesn't want to accept that, that the podcaster who podcasts is atheism. He simply he doesn't want to accept that. that there are things that just could not possibly be coincidental if his mind was open to what was really happening around him. On the other hand, if you're not a person of faith, I think it's you would enjoy it in terms of it's not in your face with religion. And interesting, the lead character's father is a minister. I think they've set it up very well. I think it's compelling drama. And the point that I made a few moments ago, and that is this. I used to watch shows that, I'm just going to tell you, darkened my soul without me knowing it. Uh, Even Mad Men, which, look, by the way, great show. Don Draper is not a nice guy. I loved Dexter. The hero, if you will, is a serial killer. I watched a couple of seasons of Orange is the New Black. I just, I have chosen not to watch that stuff anymore. That's just my decision. I'm not saying there should be an outright ban on it. I'm just saying... That's that's where I am. So here's what I would encourage you to do. If you're a person of faith, don't feel that it has to conform to what you hear in church every Sunday. If you're not a person of faith, give it a try. 
If you're looking for something designed to make you feel good and not designed to make you feel dirty because you follow the hero, I, I, actually, I just really think it is worth your investment. I, I, I truly do. So I would ask you to go ahead and give it a try. All right. Speaking of give it a try, we're going to give something else a try in the next half hour, and it's for ladies only. We're going to take calls from ladies only, and I'll just say this right now. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but the question we're going to ask is, does this offend you? And seemingly everything offends today. We'll see if this, in fact, falls into that category. From Nitschke to Noble, Hinkle to Holland to Hawk, make your picks at inside and middle linebacker for the Green Bay 100. All-time 53-man roster. Text the number 100 to 414-799-1620 to find the link to vote. So whenever I see these lists, here's where my mind immediately goes. All right, who's missing? <laughs> who's a really good Green Bay Packer middle or inside linebacker that is not mentioned at least in that short list? Um, uh, there's a bunch of names, uh, Mad Dog Douglas, uh, just, oh man, I'm think, trying to think there's a bunch of them. Uh, it's easy for me. I mean, number 66, Ray Nitschke would absolutely be my pick, but yours may be a different one. All right, I want to say a few things about the Milwaukee Brewers. We're going to be talking more about it in the 2 o'clock hour, but... Here's what's really interesting. Now, everybody knows that when it comes to sports, the Packers own Wisconsin. I know they're the Green Bay Packers, but we all know they are the Wisconsin Packers, due in large part to the Lombardi Packers of the 60s. And, and even in the lean times, Lambeau was sold out. I would argue the, the close second then... If you're going to stay with pro sports, if you're not going to stay with pro sports, then you could throw the football and, of, of late, the basketball badgers in there in recent years. But if we exclude that, if we stay with pro, then I think it's certainly the Milwaukee Brewers. And I'm talking out-state now, outside of Milwaukee, up north, as we say, and I hail from up north. Uh, it, it's the Milwaukee Bucks are a distant third. Out state, even that has changed a little bit with some success. But for the most part, that's the way it works. I will tell you, and I'm trying to remember 2011, and I'm struggling to do so in terms of the impact out state. But I will tell you that when the the Brewers started going on their tear, their late season tear, as it looked like they were going to have a legitimate chance to catch the Cubs and tie the Cubs. When that was happening, you saw the fever grow. It hit, it just maxed out when the Brewers, in fact, did, in game 162, catch the Cubs. Let me tell you what always happens and what never happens in the Green Bay TV market. What always happens is, during Packers season, the Packers lead newscasts. It's been a long time since I've lived in the Milwaukee TV market, and I don't remember exactly. I know it's it's certainly big as well. But that's and Green Bay gets a fair amount of national ridicule for that. That the the Packers are are there the big news story. Well, yeah. What never happens is the Milwaukee Brewers up in the Green Bay TV market, Wausau market, and outstate. 
until <laughs> when the Brewers beat the Cubs in the tiebreaker. That and the game was timed out just right. That led the Green Bay, at least the station I was watching, led the Green Bay news that, in fact, the Brewers had won the NL Central. I don't ever recall again that may, but see, it was different because I think there were more expectations. I think by most people's measure, the Brewers are, I would say, they're, they're a year ahead is how I would describe it. They're probably, uh, I thought they were going to be where the Cubs ended up. That's really where I thought you were going to see the Brewers. That, that didn't happen. So as that got closer and closer, I think what you saw was tremendous excitement. And then they won that one game tiebreaker. And I will tell you, it's nutsville up north for the Milwaukee Brewers. Like, I, again, I'm really trying. I know it was big in, in 2011. Uh, I went to a game. I went to uh, whatever. Ugh, I can't remember which NLCS game I went to in 2011. It was a disaster. Uh, the, the Cardinals destroyed them. And so it was big. I, I'm, I'm not saying it wasn't, but it's really Different this time, and a somewhat squishy start to the season by the Green Bay Packers might have something to do with that. But I can tell you, as someone who lives out state, I live in the Green Bay area, it's nuts. It is nuts in the north part of the state. I mean, people who I just don't think normally pay attention to baseball are really dialed in. And I think the way that the Brewers did it, just absolutely catching fire in September. I remember telling my wife, who does not follow baseball at all, she does follow football. I said, they're going to need a September to remember. if they're going to." And at that point, I was still thinking they could catch the Cubs when everyone else was already talking wild card. I didn't think they were going to do it. I'm not going to pretend I, I predicted that. I didn't. But what I did think is, well... They can maybe get close. And man, as they did, it's just, so I'm telling you, it's not just in Milwaukee or even southeast Wisconsin. Right now, at this moment, all of Wisconsin, at least at the up north part that I know, has brewer fever, and it is awesome to watch. All right, coming up in two minutes, ladies, we're going to ask you to call. Does this offend you? What, the, what, what, what does what offend me? You'll find out in two minutes. 1241 News Radio WTMJ. With just three weeks until the midterm elections, incumbent Democratic Senator Tammy Baldwin and Republican challenger State Senator Leah Vukmir take to the stage to debate. Gene Miller gets the morning after analysis from Charles Benson of today's TMJ4. That's at 651 tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News. And, yeah, the uh, I tell you, the baseball call, there's the whole thing with, and we're going to get to that after 2 o'clock. It's on MLB. Criticisms uh, about Bob Costas' call on MLB Network and all of that. But uh, the Brewers on the radio did not think they were going to sweep. I thought they might. They came really close to goose-egging the Rockies during that whole series. One hiccup by J.J. That, man, what, what a series. Yes, I am very geeked. And, yes, the mediocre Packers are helping make that possible. All right. 
Uh, your cooperation will make this next topic possible. And every once in a while, I give this a try at my own risk on the radio. This is a ladies-only topic to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620. What you have had recently is a, a lot of conversation about, uh, well, the treatment of women, obviously, starting, of course, with the whole hashtag MeToo, and then the debate over, uh, now, Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh. And we're going to get into this after 1 o'clock. Uh, when we, and we're, by the way, if you are wondering, we're going to spend a lot of time after uh, 1 o'clock delving into the Kavanaugh confirmation and all the myriad issues. Uh, we're going to get into that. But Republicans are getting a lot of criticism for the way they treated women I mean, Grassley, things he said, well, it's a lot of work. That's why women don't want to be in Judiciary Committee, and on and on and on. I actually do part ways with some conservatives who believe all of that is politically correct nonsense. I don't. I think sometimes women rightfully can say they're not respected. I have one in particular that always surprises me. And this is, again, I'm going to lay this out, and if you're a woman, I would like you to weigh in. When grown women are called girls, here's, here's why this jumped out at me. Uh, I, was, uh, I was watching, uh, here's what it is, I was watching a, a TV news station in Green Bay, watching the weather, and you know how they put their Twitter handles on there these days? Her weather handle is Weather Girl. And then her name, Weather Girl Jen. And then her name. I am always surprised when women aren't offended by being called girl. I have heard women call other women office girls. So ladies, am I just being politically correct here? Or does that bug you? The Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. I would let me give you an example. I have heard in the radio industry grown women called weather girls, traffic girls, news girls. What would it sound like if I called Eric Bilstead a newsboy? By the way, they used to deliver the papers. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't do that. It would never occur to me to consider doing that. And I actually do think it shows a lack of respect, especially a professional. Well, no, I, I'm going to take that back. I almost said something I would regret and not agree with. And that is, I was going to say, especially professional women. That, that's actually, that's not true. I think all women deserve, well, you know, in the world I live in, ma'am. I mean, that's, I try to show the ultimate respect when I can. But I would expect women to not be comfortable with being called girl. And yet you have a professional, a meteorologist on television. Now, I will tell you, 
she is youngish looking, and the pitch of her voice is youngish sounding. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it predates when she was actually, uh, you know, on television, an adult professional. I don't know. But I do have a suspicion that uh, there are those ladies who may disagree with me on this. I, I put myself at their mercy. To Mary in Pewaukee. Mary, hi. You're on WTMJ. Um, it does not offend me. I've lived with it all my life. I've been a girl all my life. That's a long time. I walked so, one day. Were you going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say, so you don't, you don't think it's a lack of respect? Uh, to call someone who's a, a grown person a girl. It doesn't. Know, I've been a girl all my life. I've lived with it, so no, one, it doesn't particularly bother me. There's something that offends me more than that. I walked into. Uh, an right. office. Go ahead, Mary. I walked into an office and um, had to give a piece of information. And the woman behind the desk said, looked up at me, and she said, oh, you're just a volunteer. The word uh, just. I'm just that's... a mother. I'm just a this. I'm just a that. Nobody is just anything. Mary, thanks a lot for the great call. That is a great, great point. That is a word you probably should never use. To Eileen in Racine. Eileen, you're on WTMJ. Hi. So first of all, your previous caller, I agree with her. That word just just seems to diminish anything that comes after it. Yep. Um, but what I wanted to say was I don't mind being called a girl or a lady or a woman. Um, I'm kind of proud of that fact. But what bothers me is when we refer to a female, like a female athlete, or a female lawyer, or a female... My dog is a female. We identify animals as male and female, and we never talk Ooh. about male athletes. So... Well, I don't know if that... Do you really think that's true? We never refer to male athletes? Ever? You're probably right. We distinguish yeah. just by going with female, huh? Yeah, yeah, just the term female in front of something, to me, makes me feel like, I call me what I am. I'm a woman. I'm a girl. Okay, granted, I'm female, but my dog is female. Just something about oh. that, that word. Eileen, thanks a lot for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, now, that I, I, I never would have considered. I think she makes a very good point there. So there are things that offend women. Just a couple of calls, a relatively small sample. Uh, if you still want to get in, you can. We have a couple of minutes before uh, we get to the news. 414-799-1620. It is 1253 News Radio WTMJ. 1257, Jerry Bader in for Jeff Wagner. So uh, Green Bay TV weather forecaster, her Twitter handle is WeatherGirl. I've always, I just, I won't call grown women girls. 
I'm not surprised that most women calling so far aren't offended by this, but I am a little puzzled. To Kathy in De Pere. Kathy, go ahead. Um, I'm not offended by it at all. I think there's so many worse things that could be called that be called a girl. It doesn't bother me, but there's just, yeah, that bothers me. Or sometimes when they address things with a certain gender, uh, female that, male that, I kind of ask myself, does it really matter? But, uh, yeah, I'm not offended. I did at one time get in trouble for calling my staff um, a staff of girls. And it was a staff uh, of ladies, but they weren't offended. It was the boss, and he was offended, uh, not anybody else. Well, so. let me ask you this, Kathy. If someone calls me boy, should I be offended? Call you boy. Um, I'm 57. Uh, well, I'm 58, so calling a girl. Um, no, I just think that because of, of the history with slavery, boy has such a different... Well, uh, Tag onto it. With, with, right. But, but I am a white guy, but I do understand what you're saying, Kathy. Thanks a lot for the call. Uh, great. Ra- Want to wrap this up with a great text from uh, Roberta. Are you kidding me? I'm almost 60 and I love being called a girl. The younger, the better. Uh, and another one uh, from the 262. It isn't offensive and mostly used as a familiar term. I. Well, then I guess I am just being politically correct. But ladies, you're never going to get a girl out of me. All right, coming up, uh, after the 1 o'clock news, we're going to spend a lot of time. No, I'm not ignoring it. Uh, We are going to spend a lot of time on the Kavanaugh nomination to be joined by a guest, Republican strategist Mark Grohl, to talk about what it means for the fall Elections. 1259 News Radio WTMJ. Hey, ho, Wisconsin. Good afternoon. Jerry Bader in for Jeff Wagner. Uh, all this week, in fact, and uh, absolutely uh, am honored to be able to do so. And I mean that quite sincerely. It is great uh, to be trusted with Jeff's three hours as he is off on vacation. Now, we are wrapped up on this topic, and we're not going to take uh, any further calls, but I do have to share a text that I didn't see. Now, if, you, if you're just joining us, in the last half hour, I asked, and I, I was roundly, uh, I don't know if scolded is the right word, by women, they disagree with me, I wouldn't call a grown woman girl. All of those who weighed in, and most on text, either uh, on air or text, don't agree with me. Like, now it's not really that we really don't mind being called girl. This, however, and again, I wasn't surprised by that, but a little puzzled by that. So then there is this text again. I- I'm just sharing the text. We're not going to take any more calls. But this is a really good response. As long as you're on the subject, could you also ask if women are offended when in a mixed group of men and women, if I were to address the entire group by saying, hi guys, if they're offended by that, how should I properly address a mixed group of men and women casually? Oh, oh, I don't know a woman that doesn't hate that. Now, I could be wrong on that one as well, but I truly do not know a woman that doesn't just hate, hate, hate 
being called, uh, grouped with guys. I remember my wife was particularly miffed. She considered it a double penalty by a waitress in a restaurant. The waitress says to my wife and me, would use guys like something to drink? The use part was my wife, of course, in the absence of the waitress, threw the flag on that one, and then the guys thing. That is an interesting one, because I pretty much don't know of any woman that doesn't have a problem with that. All right, we are going to spend probably most of this hour looking at a lot of different facets of the Kavanaugh confirmation. It is no longer the nomination. It is the confirmation, what it means politically in terms of who really does benefit here. Is it Republicans or Democrats? I'll be honest, I don't know the answer. What I will tell you is this. I have, let me see here, one, two, three, uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, at least eight, I think, tabs open right now with stories on my desktop here, eight open tabs with stories that relate to this topic. And I will tell you, when I say this topic, the umbrella topic is the Kavanaugh confirmation. But there are just a lot of different tentacles of this story that I want to get to in the next hour. So let me start with the one that I teased first. All right, who benefits? I think even to the most seasoned political observer, the honest answer is, you don't know. I I, I truly believe that's the case. And let me make that case. And here's what I would say in terms of calls. I'm going to throw a lot of stuff against, I'll normally do it this way. I'm going to throw a lot of stuff against the wall. If at any given point you want to weigh in, we can certainly do that. I'm going to get to a lot of different elements of this story, though. But you can call in on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. Let me make the case that I don't know who benefits from this. Now, here's what I do know. At the moment, right now, just a little less than a month or three weeks-ish to Election Day, Republicans, the Republican conservative base, is without a doubt more energized than the Democratic base, which is just angry and is protesting and doing all of that. Here's what I think, though. The glow of success doesn't last as long as the sting of defeat. And I think, potentially, This is going to benefit Democrats, particularly more in the House of Representatives. I don't know about in the Senate, but in the House of Representatives, because Democrats are going to regroup from this, they're going to try to channel this anger, and anger is an effective tool in getting people out to vote. You saw that in 2016. And you can say whatever you want. People were angry, and that did translate into energy to vote for Donald Trump. I know there are Trump voters who don't like to hear that. But yes, there was an anger there. They felt bullied for decades by Democrats, and suddenly they had a bully they could hire. 
Guy Benson makes that case. So, they in fact hired that bully. I will build on this in two minutes, and if you do want to weigh on, in on this, you certainly can. 414-799-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It is 115 News Radio WTMJ. Jerry Bader in for Jeff Wagner. It is 118. We are talking about the political ramifications of what happened uh, with the Kavanaugh confirmation. Joining us now to talk about that, Wisconsin Republican strategist Mark Grawl. Mark, good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you, Jerry. Hey, before we get to the heavy-duty stuff, you, you just heard the Brewers' highlights there. I said this earlier, you as I am are from the Green Bay area. Do, do you remember 2011? I, I think this is as Brewer feverish as up north has ever been. It's, uh, don't you kind of feel it? Well, I've, I always have brewer fever, so I'm not the best judge of that. So, uh, but yeah, it does feel like, uh, the, uh, Green Bay area is more into this team than they were the 2011 team. And I, I love the 2011 team too, so I can't pick between my children. But yes, it does feel like maybe, maybe it's because the Packers are struggling a little bit that, uh, that brewer fever is so strong up here. But it's great to see the whole state rallying behind what's just been an awesome run and hopefully continues for a while. It, it- it is, and I think you're right on your theory in terms of the Packers. All right, let's start with, and I teed this up a few moments ago. I think conventional wisdom right now, and I agree with it, is that the Republican base is more energized with the end product of the Kavanaugh circus, and it certainly was a circus. I don't know that that necessarily stays, though, through November, the election. Uh, and here's the way I put it a few minutes ago, Mark, is I think the glow of success fades more quickly than the bitterness of defeat what, and I'm referring to Democrats. So I don't know who's going to be more energized by this when it's time to go to the polls. And then you have to factor in early voting. So what's your take? Well, well, I, I, th- I think you're right, Jerry. You know, I think, unfortunately, rightly or wrongly, anger is a much greater motivator than pleasure in politics. And we see that over and over again. I think it's frankly one of the reasons why if there is a Democratic enthusiasm advantage this year, it's because they're so angry. Uh, at what's happening uh, with President Trump. And I think obviously you saw that in reverse in 2010 when Republicans were real angry about what President Obama was doing. So I think we've seen through history that anger motivates more. I think the Kavanaugh hearing certainly did galvanize Republicans in a way that we haven't seen uh, for some time. Uh, but uh, four weeks is a long way to go, and I'm not sure how many people are going to remember all that four weeks from now. But you're right, though. I mean, modern uh, voting is a, is a much longer process than one day. You know, somewhere probably around a third of Wisconsin voters are going to cast their ballot well before Election Day, if not more. That 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 number is just that share of early votes is just growing and growing. So maybe you'll see some of that. But I think in general, I think if we're looking at which team is more mad, I think I think you're going to see still more anger on the Democrat side than the Republican side. And I don't think Republicans help themselves on that in a couple of fronts. I, I just, I'm going to be very honest here. I think they've said some stupid things. I think the president initially you know, tried to, for want of a better term, behave himself. But they're now saying you know, they were all lying and, and that they should be held liable for the things that they said uh, about Brett Kavanaugh. I think that was unhelpful. And I think just a number of things that were better left unsaid. I just think they unnecessarily, you know, grassly saying women don't want to work hard enough. And you can argue whether he was taken out of context to be on the Judiciary Committee and so on. I think there are a number of unforced errors that are feeding that anger. 
uh, yeah, imagine that. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> we've seen that we've seen that quite a bit over the last uh, a year or, or two, uh, particularly with Republicans. And I agree. I mean, there was Kavanaugh was confirmed. That was what Republicans were pushing for. The idea to sort of take a victory lap didn't feel necessary. And, and I, I think again, it's just going to stir the anger on the left. Uh, and I think you're going to see forces on the left try to use that to their political advantage. And you already see that happening now. And I think you're going to see that over the next four weeks, especially as they aim it at women voters where the Republicans already have a pretty massive disadvantage. And I think the card they will probably play as we're talking with the Republican strategist Mark Rawl uh, is actually probably a couple of them, not so much the allegations per se, but one, his temperament during the, the hearing, the reopening of the hearing. And I, look, I, I don't know how you feel, Mark, but I think it's pretty obvious he was less than honest about his drinking past. And I think those two things they're going to really hone in on. Yeah, I mean, I think clearly there was a lot of emotion that came from now Justice Kavanaugh during that hearing. And I think some of it was, was well-placed. I mean, if somebody was making yeah. these kinds of accusations against me and, and I did not feel as if I did them, I, if I thought that they were dishonest, I, I would feel that way, too. So I think some of that lent to his authenticity, but I think he did hurt his credibility with some of his responses as it related to his drinking and liking of beer. Uh, but I think that th- there were parts of that hearing, though, that that helped in terms of of moving the discussion away from what were some pretty serious uh, accusations of sexual assault and focus more on, okay, what do teenagers do and what do their, their yearbook sayings mean and things like that. And I think that, frankly, is the part that galvanized sort of that Trump coalition, if you will, to say, all right, now we're, we're picking at this guy's yearbook um, uh, shorthand. So I, I don't think that that helped Democrats uh, when, when the conversation turned to that and turned off of the, uh, the sexual assault allegations. Hey, Mark, can you hang one more segment with us? Of course. All right, in two minutes, I want to f- uh, finish up on this, but I do want to ask Mark as well about the uh, U.S. Senate debate going on tonight and who actually has the most to lose. We'll get to that in two minutes. It's 124 News Radio WTMJ. From Nitschke to Noble, Hinkle to Holland to Hawk, make your picks at inside and middle linebacker for the Green Bay all one of uh, Green Bay 100 all-time 53-man roster. Text the number 100 to 414-799-1620 to find the link to vote. Talking with Wisconsin Republican strategist Mark Grawl, uh, a couple of things I want to finish up on, at least for the moment, uh, on the Kavanaugh confirmation. Mark, Congressman Duffy, Sean Duffy said something Well, I, I found interesting to Steve Scafidi this morning at WTMJ. And basically what he told Steve is, Congressman Duffy said, look, in terms of credibility between Dr. Ford and now Justice Kavanaugh, he thought it was a tie. And he said the tie should go to the guy that's led an exemplary life. I had a ooh moment when I heard that because the immediate response there is going to be, what's he saying about Dr. Ford? What's, you have any thoughts on that? 
<clears throat> well, I mean, I think I understand what Congressman Duffy is saying there, and I, I think it was the reason he ultimately got confirmed. And I think a lot of people struggled with who do you believe, because I do think they were both very credible. And I think it is fair to say that you, 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 there's some way that you can believe them both, right? That they both believe exactly what they're saying is true. But I think what Congressman Duffy and others are saying is, listen, there was no other corroborating evidence for Dr. Ford. In fact, the people who she identified as being there all said, yeah, no, I, we don't remember anything like that happening, including not just, you know, the, the infamous Mark Judge, but one of her good friends from back then where where that person is saying, yeah, no, I don't remember anything like that. So I think that's what, what Congressman Duffy was saying. And, you know, like you and I have spoken privately, I, I think we all struggled with that and struggled to try to figure out who was, who was being honest and who wasn't. And it wasn't, I, I don't think anybody won uh, from that confirmation hearing. Uh, just a, a quick question on the Senate debate tonight. Tammy Baldwin, Leah Vukmir, uh, who has more to lose, more to gain, and more to lose? You know, these debates are um, not watched by many, so uh, so it's hard to really say who has more to win and who, who has more to lose. I think what will be more interesting is who drives a good message uh, in the stories that are going to show up on, uh, on, on the news, both TV and in the newspaper and on radio tomorrow. Uh, and I think that that should that will drive the debate. My guess is it'll be a lot of the same discussion we've already seen with Bookmere and Baldwin arguing over pre-existing conditions or what happened in Toma and those sorts of things. So, but I think always in these situations when you're an incumbent, you have more to lose uh, than you have to gain. So I guess if I had to pick somebody, I would say usually in these situations it's the incumbent. Uh, the perceived front runner who has more to lose at a debate than they do to gain. Political strategist Mark Grohl, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks, Jerry. Well, after a bruising Supreme Court battle, what is the follow from the Brett Kavanaugh vote? John Mercure is back, and he has the very latest starting at 3 o'clock on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. And in fact, it is that bruising battle that is on our agenda at this moment. Uh, as we speak, and you certainly can weigh in as well on any thoughts you have. Again, I'm going to go in a lot of different directions, but uh, whatever you want to take a swing at, at the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. So I want to start this half hour of the conversation with this. Uh, Trump says those who made false statements about Kavanaugh should be held liable. I think it's pretty clear what happened. Early on in the Brett Kavanaugh saga, President Trump tried it other people's way. He pretty much held his tongue, was respectful of Dr. Ford, and felt, this isn't working. So he went back to what has worked for him. I believe that he, again, I don't know this, that he instructed Brett Kavanaugh, do it the way I do it. Lindsey Graham, do it the way I do it. And it did galvanize and energize the conservative base, and they have a win. But what now? And will things that Brett Kavanaugh said during the reopening of the hearing come back to haunt him? You know this. Democrats are going to investigate him forever if they get the House of Representatives. And there's a very good chance of that. I want to share a little bit of a couple of pieces with you. There's Politico magazine, and I would say really... 
these pieces are diametrically opposed in terms of where they're at. Democrats fear they are the wet rag party. Al Franken is a longtime liberal warrior accused of predatory sexual behavior who is now licking his wounds in exile. Brett Kavanaugh is a longtime conservative warrior accused of predatory sexual behavior who is now licking his wounds on the United States Supreme Court. Donald Trump, who faces a more extensive roster of allegations than either man, but has never seemed to be licking any wounds about them, finds that contrast vastly entertaining. The president's gleeful taunts of Franken as a quitter at a campaign rally in Franken's Minnesota on Thursday, Thursday night, he folded like a wet rag. Trump cackled, were for Democrats a wicked preface to their ashen-mouth defeat this weekend of the Kavanaugh nomination fight. Whether Trump knew it or not, his remarks were perfectly pitched to stoke anxieties that have haunted many top Democratic operatives for a generation. They fear that their party loses big power struggles because Republicans are simply tougher, meaner, more cynical, and more ruthless. This is exactly what Democrats used to say of Republicans, and this is why Donald Trump is president. Because Republicans felt that their elected officials didn't put up a sufficient fight. My response to that, though, would be that you don't have to be as obnoxious as Trump and other Republicans are being to put up a fight. Now, let me set the stage on this. This circus happened because Democrats overplayed their hand. They thought they were going to take out Brett Kavanaugh with what I would call conventional weapons. They were going to paint him as an extremist that would endanger health and on and on and on. All of the things that have been heard before. These are old, tired political saws. And they really, they didn't work. And then you had Senator Kamala Harris doctor video. She clipped a piece of video to take it out of context and make it sound as though Brett Kavanaugh was saying something about birth control, that he wasn't. As George Will was, I believe, put it, in another place in another time, in other words, in the pre-Trumpian era, there would be no talk of her running for president in 2020. That would be it. She would be toast. If you think I'm wrong about that, Joe Biden was scuttled in 1987 for the 1988 presidential election over a plagiarism allegation. Oh, how quaint that sounds today. But now what she did, which would have been a felony back then, is at best a misdemeanor or a civil forfeiture like jaywalking or a parking ticket compared to other things going on. That doesn't mean it isn't really bad, and I'm not saying it isn't really bad. I am just talking about context here. That's the reality that we live in. Then, the criticism leveled at Senator Dianne Feinstein is valid. Here's what should have happened the minute any member of Congress learned about these allegations. They should have gone directly to the FBI. Understand, these allegations were brought to a member of Congress when Kavanaugh was still on the short list, not the nominee. Which, by the way, I think gives credibility to Dr. Ford. She did it as soon as she knew that he was a contender. She didn't wait until he was the pick. I actually think this is extremely difficult. I think she is credible. And I have a theory that a lot of people aren't going to like. 
which I'll get to in a moment. But Feinstein, I'm sorry, the allegations that she tried to use this as an ace in a hole when the conventional weapons failed, and then she went to the nuclear arsenal. Now, I know, I understand, and I'm not saying that there isn't some validity to the argument that, that Dr. Ford had requested anonymity, but somehow, some way, this had to go to the FBI sooner. Dr. Ford had to be told, look, he's got to know this. Or not he, but the FBI has to know this about him. Because what would have happened then? Now, with President Trump, who knows? But there's a pretty good chance he wouldn't have been the nominee. We don't know that. And again, with Trump, that may or may not have been a disqualifying revelation. We will never know. So all of those things are true. When here's I will tell you my take when she gave her testimony and she was questioned. I was in my MediaTrackers.org office with my employee. We were both live streaming it, and we said he's toast. I, she's highly believable. the The vagaries in her story, notwithstanding, she's highly credible. Then he came on as a more articulate, more educated Donald Trump with a law degree. But that's what he presented. And Republicans, voters, have been waiting for decades for someone to fight back. So they loved that. Yes, I know she didn't know where it took place, and I know all of that. But here's what sticks with me. Why lie about an attempted rape and not a rape? If she's making all of this up, why not say he raped me? Why put a witness in the room that most likely will not corroborate your story? None of that makes any sense to me if she's lying. So here's a theory probably nobody's going to like, but I'm going to proffer it anyway. I can't say I believe it. I think it's possible. Here's what I do believe. Brett Kavanaugh did not tell the truth about his drinking as a youth. We can get into a prolonged debate about whether that's relevant. What is relevant is whether or not he lied about it in the here and now as a nominee. That's, that's just the reality. Two, I have a theory, again, that because I believe he was lying about that, I believe it's possible that this happened, and he doesn't remember it. Nothing traumatic happened for him, other than it ended, if she's telling the truth, when Mark Judge jumped on both of them. And by the way, she said Mark Judge didn't do anything to help her. I'm not so sure I agree with that. That might, in fact, if she's telling the truth, be what that act is. It's entirely possible he's that vehement because he really doesn't believe it. But setting all of that aside, there is no need for Republicans to go over the top with the rhetoric that is insulting to women. And beyond the political dynamics, it's just not the right thing to do. That is my far more than two cents on it. If you have anything you want to weigh in, on the Accudet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620.
145 News Radio WTMJ. Well, your Milwaukee Brewers are on to the League Championship Series, Championship Series, as we say in English. For just the third time ever, a National League pennant is now on their sights. A much-needed few days rest comes before they welcome the winner of the Braves-Dodgers Series to Miller Park for Game 1 this Friday. Every pitch of Brew Crew, Brew October, that is, happens right here on WTMJ. You know, a lot of debate about those few days of rest. A lot of people, hey, hey, no, they're hot. Let's go, let's go. Me, I'm of the mind. I want the other series, divisional series, to go all the way to game five. I don't really care who wins. It's probably going to be the Dodgers, but we'll see. I'd love to see that go. And the Brewers be more rested than the Dodgers. But I know that's not all the conventional wisdom that is out there. Want to share a couple of texts. So I made, uh, here are the points that I made. I think both. Uh, Dr. Ford, and both now Justice Kavanaugh. I I think it was very difficult until Kavanaugh obviously was being dishonest about the drinking problem that he had as a youth. And it's pretty clear he's Bardo Kavanaugh. But you'd have to ask Mark Judge. The obvious follow-up question to that, well, could it be you? So yeah, I had problems with his testimony. couple of uh, a couple of uh, texts. Anyone who believes this nonsense from Dr. Ford is foolish. Time and place uh, could have said the same thing. Not sure what he means by that. Um, uh, here's this. Uh, I've been listening to WTMJ done for the afternoon after listening to the host's personal opinion of Judge Kavanaugh. Need to determine the host's name so I can switch to another channel. That would be Jerry Bader the next time he is on. I believe Judge Kavanaugh and believe his accuser is mistaken. But see, that's such the easy out. Well, she's credible and I believe her. She's just got the wrong guy. But all of that now is history. In other words, I'm credible. I believe she was attacked. She's just got the wrong guy. So, here is where we go from here. Brett, uh, hang on a second. Where to go? Where to go? Where to go? Brett Stevens, late of the Wall Street Journal, now of the New York Times, says, for once, I'm grateful for Trump. Brett Stevens was a never-Trumper Republican for the Wall Street Journal. He now writes for the New York Times. He was actually very excited. For the first time since Donald Trump entered the political fray, I find myself grateful that he's in it. I'm reluctant to admit it and astonished to say it, especially since the president mocked Christine Blasey Ford in his ugly and gratuitous way at a rally on Tuesday. Perhaps it's worth unpacking this admission for those who might be equally astonished to read it, because he has chastised Trump for years for that behavior. I'm grateful because Trump has not backed down in the face of the slipperiness, hypocrisy, and dangerous standard setting deployed by opponents of Brett Kavanaugh's nomination to the Supreme Court. I'm grateful because ferocious and even crass obstinacy has its uses in life, and never more so than in the face of sly moral bullying. I'm grateful because he's a big fat hammer fending off a razor-sharp dagger. That is exactly 
what has the Republican base so energized. And that's the part that the media is leaving out. There was all sorts of chicanery on the part of the left. They decided early on they didn't want him on the bench. When all of that didn't work, then they orchestrated this allegation to have maximum effect. So I understand where Brett Stevens is coming from on that. And I do understand that there has been frustration year after year after year. But as he used the word gratuitous, you know, mocking Al Franken for stepping down. Ah, what a quitter. So then the obvious question for President Trump, so if you think he actually sexually assaulted women, he should have stayed and fought? These are the unforced errors that I know a lot of conservative talk show hosts will just pretend aren't there. I don't. Because they are there. And they didn't just come from President Trump. They are, in fact, making life a lot more difficult than it has to be. And yes, guaranteed, if, in fact, Democrats are angrier when it comes to November, and they're going to be, and they get the House, which I think is going to happen, I think the Senate is iffy, this isn't done, not by a long shot. And the things that said now are going to come back to haunt. 154 News Radio WTMJ. Jerry Bader in for Jeff Wagner, 157. That's Jerry Bader, if you are trying to catch the name. Uh, just responding to a text there. Uh, by the way, speaking of the Brewers, you just heard Uke there. We uh, are going to be talking about that, particularly the criticism over the game being on an MLB network and the quality of that broadcast. We're going to get to that after the 2 o'clock news. To put a bow on the conversation about the Kavanaugh confirmation, if you are left-leaning, you believe Dr. Ford, unequivocally. If you are right-leaning, you believe Justice Kavanaugh, unequivocally. The how people look at their credibility is based on your ideology. What I am doing is what very few people are willing to do and be intellectually honest and say, I don't know. I do not know what happened. I don't. I know that both sides behaved badly. And final thought. What is being done to both Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski is unconscionable. People should be able to vote the way they believe, speak what they believe, without that type of blowback. Now, voters want to make them pay. That's fine. But in America, you should be able to do that without being vilified. That, however, not the case today. 159 News Radio WTMJ. Welcome to the final hour. Jerry Bader in for Jeff Wagner. So, true story, I missed the memo somehow. I had no idea it was going to be warm today. I wore a sweater to work. 
I just, I missed up that. It's summer. It's fall. It's summer. It's fall. It's monsoon season. It's monsoon season in the summer. And then it's monsoon season in the fall. Even by Wisconsin standards. This is getting a little difficult for me. I, I received a text that I'm going to have to do some homework on. And um, producer Kyle, I will actually be getting in touch with you because I, I can't comment on this until, um, well, until I talk with you. Because I don't know what the person is referring to. But it sounds like an interesting topic related to the Brewers. We will uh, we'll get to that. I want to wrap up, though. I want to share a text that is related to the conversation of Justice Kavanaugh in the last hour. If you're an American innocent until proven guilty, critically important point. Now, the difference, of course, is we weren't dealing with a court of law. But that said, I had a very friendly, I won't say debate, a conversation with someone on this over the weekend. I will not name them. But essentially, what they said was, well, in the cases of sexual assault, you just, you have to believe the person, that's it, end of report. It's just stunning to me that that is the direction that a big chunk of the country is going. Believe women. Some women do, in fact, lie. It's just the way it is. Now, is it the majority? I didn't say that. But when you are talking about, and let's, let's move from the Supreme Court for a moment and to the, a court of law. Our justice system is not built on playing the probabilities or the odds. Well, most women don't lie, so guilty till proven innocent. No, it in fact doesn't work that way. And I was remiss in pointing that out. That is such a dangerous trend that's picking up here. Now, there's another half of that story, though. Too many women are disbelieved or intimidated into not reporting because they believe they are going to be disbelieved. But Dr. Ford said she feared was exactly what happened to her. Women are vilified, marginalized, humiliated. All of those things have happened to her. Shouldn't happen whether her story is accurate or not. But that's the problem here. You have the two extremes. Women should be taken seriously. They should not be dismissed. Their allegations should be heard and thoroughly investigated. The left's going to argue that didn't happen, that the White House limited it. But again, forget that one and keep this specific to the court of law, because that's also where this is going. That the one offense, sexual assault, is the one where, nope, you believe women, and that's that. That is one of the things that got Democrats in trouble with this. Because a woman stepped forward, represented by Avenatti, the Stormy Daniels lawyer, and in fact, he, he did more to help Republicans than anything you can think of. Because initially, they distanced themselves from those allegations of the gang rape club, which I, I think are preposterous. But then something occurred to them. They were being hypocrites. 
a woman step forward and you're not believing her. Well, yeah, but Michael Avenetti, and they tied themselves in knots. Because we can't have a system where you are guilty by accusation. We just, we can't. I absolutely agree with that. All right. I want to set this up. Now, I don't know how many people got a chance to watch the Brewers playoff game on MLB Network, because uh, I'm fair to say most people don't have it. And there was a lot of consternation about that. I am perfectly fine in listening to it on the radio. I just, Bob Euchre's a legend, and that's that. And just hearing the joy in his voice when they win these playoff games. But there were people miffed about that. And I understand that. As it would me, it wouldn't matter because I've pretty much cut loose all the sports on, on direct TV. And I was fully prepared to listen to it. And now the championship series will be on Fox. It's going to be tough because I've kind of gotten hooked on the radio play by play. I have to ponder that. But Here's the thing I'm going to get to. There's a story on this. The Journal Sentinel has a story. Apparently, the the play-by-play and the color work was horrible. It was just awful. Just terrible. That's what I'm that's what I'm hearing. From and actually some of the mistakes that I'm seeing that are reported in the paper. If you happen to be one of those, maybe you're at a bar, maybe you have it somehow, don't know, I want your feedback. How bad was it? I get curious when I missed out on things that are getting dissed. How bad was it? I, I'm just curious, and I don't know how many people in this audience have the chance to watch it on MLB. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. 414 1620. We will take your calls in two minutes. 215 News Radio WTMJ. Yeah, it is. Jerry Bader in for Jeff Wagner. What wasn't apparently very good was the play by play call on uh, MLB. Apparently, it was really bad. Now, I have some. Reporting on this, I'll get to in just a minute, but I want to I want to get an eyewitness, uh, as it were, from you, the listener, in terms of how bad was it? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Dave in Grafton. Dave, hi, you're on WTMJ. Thanks for taking my call, Jerry. Uh, I was able to watch portions of it live streaming on the computer. And uh, I was taken aback early in the game when Bob Costas and his partner couldn't even pronounce the players' names properly. They, um, they kept saying uh, Ar- Arcia. Uh, they were calling him uh, Arcia. And uh, Aguilar, they were calling him Aguilara. And uh, I even texted uh, one of my sons and said, what a joke, they don't even know their names. And you could tell that they hadn't followed the Brewers at all in the season. Um, Bob Costas knew very little about the team. On a positive note, uh, I love that they mic'd up uh, catcher Eric Kratz, and they would sh- they would have his impromptu comments, 
I'll tell you, if they did that in every game and had like a per view channel, I'd immediately subscribe. It was great to hear uh, Eric's impromptu comments throughout the game. And their, their post-game interview on the field, um, I don't know the guy's name, John something or other, but he, he, you could tell, had followed the Brewers, knew a lot about the Brewers, and, and he had some great post-game interviews. But Costas and his partner, uh, they, they were just uh, they were just fluff. You could tell they didn't know. Well, I suppose was. we can take some relief and they got, uh, they got Jesus right, if you know what I mean. Exactly. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, if you just ponder that for a moment. Dave, thanks a lot for the call. To Carl in Franklin. Carl, go ahead. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I thought the, the, the call of the game was so jaded and, and, and bent towards, oh, the poor Rockies, <laughs> poor Rockies. You know, instead of giving credit to a team which has got the most wins in, in the National League, won the Central Division in the National League, Shut out the Colorado Rockies for 27 out of 28 innings. They were shut out, and, and instead of giving them that kind of credit, they're making excuses for the for the poor per, uh, production and poor uh, showing that Colorado was able to put up against a much better opponent. And, and it, you know, I find it you know ridiculous. You're supposed to be a nonpartisan uh, broadcaster when you do a sporting event. And I thought it was anything but nonpartisan. It's pretty clear that baseball observers have not caught up with the Milwaukee Brewers and just how good of a team they are. But I'm reading the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel story, and they they have a tweet. Did they really say Shaw has 13 errors? Yeah. At second, yeah. I mean, and so that's research. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, I think he maybe has two. If that, that's what I thought I read. It's one or two, and and the guy one. Yeah, I switched to a completely different perspective position. He, you know, he plays third base, he plays short, uh, first base. He, you know, he can play shortstop. <laughs> but they, you know, they needed you know somebody to take over at second, and, and he went in there. And I think he's done more than a credible job. He's he's done an admirable job for for, for the short time that he had and the quality of opponents that he was facing. All right, thanks a lot for the call. Appreciate it. Now, let me say this. I mean, I, I, I've made mistakes on the radio. Probably have made some today. They do happen. But I, just the way that this is being portrayed, I wondered. Because it kind of reminds me, I don't know if you got a chance to see it, when Brian Gumble was the first play-by-play of the NFL Network, it was, it, he just, it's like he didn't know what was going on. And that's just not doing homework. And I think in this case, they just really haven't done their homework, haven't caught up with the fact that the Brewers are a really, really good team this year, the number one seed in the NL for crying out loud. To Steve in Green Bay. Steve, hi, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jerry, thanks for taking my call. And first off, we really miss you on the air in Green Bay. I was a big fan. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Hey, um, I thought, it, you know, we talk about fake news. This was kind of like fake sports. I mean, between the pronunciations <laughs> of the names, A-Rod is a color guy. Uh, he just doesn't cut it. I love Bob Costas, but I think he's starting to lose it a little bit. It was just, you know, more apologies for how the Rockies were playing and, and absolutely nothing in favor of the Brewers. At least they did give kudos to Bob Euchard. So, they got his name right. Here he go out. So. But, uh, you know, that... 
I fell in the screener. I wish there was somewhere I could figure out how to slow down the radio so I could sync it with the television. Well, thanks a lot for the call. And and that's the part. Costas is legendary. And it, it really, that that is what is amazing to me. I mean, that guy is gold, in my opinion. I, I think he's just one of the best in the business. To Dexter in Pewaukee. Dexter, go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Basically, yeah. just like what everyone else was saying, Bob Costas obviously had done his research on the Rockies, but... It seemed like no matter what, everything that they were talking about the Brewers was very unknown. At one point, we actually had to turn off the audio on the game, and luckily we have uh, um, TV that we can delay the time. So we ended up just turning on Bob Euchre and listening to the game that way because it was it would have been painful to watch them mispronouncing all the team's names, misgiving statistics biasing everything to the Rockies, so there was really little that we could do to actually watch the game and feel like it was actually showing what Milwaukee actually does. You know, it didn't occur to me what you just said. You can sync it up yourself. Yes, you could, I mean, you could just, couple, yeah. It takes a few times to try and figure out it, but yeah, it's only a few seconds behind, and obviously in Wisconsin, we love Bob Euchre, and if we can listen to the game that way it's so much more realistic even when he talks about the Rockies at least he's done his research for both sides unlike Costas that that's a good point thanks a lot for the call and that seems to be what happened there we can take a call or two more on this in two minutes on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 414-799-1620-225 News Radio WTMJ Ryan Braun talking about the amazing work of the bullpen. It's just been nuts, <laughs> especially what they did to the Rockies. It's just crazy. Uh, talking about, and I didn't hear it, the MLB broadcast to uh, a lot of a lot of not a happy campers. Uh, to John in Fond du Lac. John, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jerry. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Uh, my point, I, I think Costas uh, and Tom uh, both were not prepared. But I think that proves a point to how spoiled we are as Brewers fans to having Brian Anderson and Joe Schroeder Bob Euchre on our local broadcast. Um, those guys do such a good job. And I even think our Brewer announcers are unbiased when it comes to, you know, they'll call the Brewers out when they have to and let, let us know, you know, hey, this isn't, this isn't working. And I think it just proves a point. I mean, uh, TBS has Brian Anderson on the Yankees and, and Red Sox. Um, that's how good the guys that we have are. So I think we're a little spoiled on, on who we have. That's a great point. Thanks a lot for the call. And I'm, and I'm guessing, I don't know, I'm guessing Joe Buck will get the call on TV, Fox. I, I, again, I don't know, but I, I am assuming that's the case. It has been historically. I think he does a good job, but I just, most of my brewer consumption is on the radio. So that that's, I'm just one of those guys. I'm a radio guy, and I love Uke. I mean, he's you know, legendary, and hearing him talk about this is this game has been or you know the series has been just fantastic 234 jerry bader in for jeff wagner well this is okay so this makes all sorts of sense right before melissa's news there i said i i couldn't remember what i had planned on talking about in this segment when you hear what it is it will make perfect sense i mean you will understand completely how I spaced this. Actually, I was doing very well because in my previous radio incarnation, 
I forgot all the time. I forgot what to tease. I was just it was like my unintended brand. I did really well during most of this show. But I did forget what I intended on talking about right after the news. Now, the Green Bay Packers. I'm thinking you can understand why um, it might be easy to forget. And here's something you don't know. Uh, You know how bad it was yesterday. But here's what you don't know. Mason Crosby was my fantasy league kicker. Oy! Well, how bizarre was that? The guy has been lights out. Remember back in 2012, he was terrible. And where I was on the radio at that time, I I said, I, I think he should be cut. Mike McCarthy stood by him. And it sounds as though there was something personal going on in his life at that time. And again, I don't know this, but Mike McCarthy apparently was aware of it. And um, just stuck with him. Now, this is one game, and I'm not comparing that to 2012 by any stretch. I think I have the year right on that. And I just, I I was flabbergasted. When he missed the extra point, I said aloud what I'm sure a whole lot of Packer fans said aloud. He's hurt. Now, that does not appear to be the case. But I just, I didn't know what else to make of that. It's like, really? It's just, it's, you know, and the mechanics and most of the kicks, in terms of the snap and the hold, all of that, seem to be just fine. Now, it's another frustrating game where the Packers get off to a slow start, a bad break. My wife and I were driving up to visit my mom in Peshtigo, and uh, listening on the radio. And initially, Wayne Larravee thought, I can't recall who the person is on special teams that the ball touched, thought it nearly touched. And then they, no, touched the Packer, and was recovered by the Lions. Get the ball on the one. I, I just felt psychologically they never recovered from that. And again, it was a game much like the Bears, much like the Redskins, where they dug a hole, and two out of three times they have been unable to get out of it. And I just... Now, so moving forward, where are the Packers in terms of, if you do an informal power ranking in your head in the NFC? I don't know. My honest answer is I don't know. You know, I heard Steve talking about this this morning, Steve Scafidi. Are they a mediocre team with a Hall of Fame quarterback? There are those who would argue that that defines the Green Bay Packers since 1992. I would disagree. There were years they put together a complete defense, and quite frankly, those are the years they won the Super Bowl. In the last quarter century, that is. 1996 and 2010. The 1996 Packers defense has to be one of the most underrated defenses. I mean, people think it's good. It was good. But I just don't think they realized at the time. I just don't think it gets credit for how good it really was. 2010, the Packers looking a lot like the 2018 Brewers 
the Packers getting hot at the right time. Now, the Brewers didn't sneak into the playoffs this year. The Packers did that year. But I'm not saying they're going to win the World Series, but it kind of feels the same way. And with the magnificent pitching, that was something when we were talking earlier, and I, I kind of I feel bad because I don't like to do topics or I get people just to have a lot of negativity. I, I tend not to do that these days, but I did want to hear what people thought uh, of the MLB broadcast. When, what I do is I went to the uh, Rocky Mountain News, the newspaper, to get their take after I think it was the second game. It wasn't after they swept them. Basically, oh, well, what do you know? The Brewers are more than just Yelich. That, again, goes to people not paying attention to this team, and that's the rap on Costas that, that listeners shared. That's, that's exactly what it is. I, uh, they just don't know how good they are. Now, the Packers could, they could put it all together. When I say they, I mean people outside of Wisconsin don't know how good the Brewers are. The Packers could get this right. I'm among those who I am a little confused. I understand the score got away from them yesterday, and that's the argument for not running Jones more. I just, I think that, I think he's a star. And, you know, you had a lot of receivers out yesterday. I, I, look, they're, they're in a division where the Vikings haven't looked as good as people thought they were going to look. I, I still don't think the Lions and the Bears are the real deal. I don't know. I could be wrong. I still think they're going to be division contenders. I'm not panicking. By the way, it was I filling in for Steve Scafidi in July on WTMJ that did not panic. When the Brewers just stumbled and bumbled their way into the All-Star break. Now, I did not think they were going to win the division. I thought they would still get the wild card after that horrible July that turned into a pretty good August and an amazing September. I'm not going to panic. I'll be at Lambeau Field for the game with the 49ers Monday night. I... It's, it's, just, it's fine. I'm not saying I'm happy with what I've seen. Once again, they're, you know, glass jaw on defense. And it seems like they can hold the team eventually. I, I don't know. I think in the long run, the defense is going to be better. But a, a huge transition like that, that doesn't gel overnight. So we'll see. All right, in the time remaining. We are going to talk about the UFC and how millennials are squandering their opportunity to lead the de- political debate, excuse me, lead the political debate in America. We're not going to cover those together, however, but we'll get started on them in about two minutes. 2.42, News Radio WTMJ. Indeed, Travis Shaw, indeed. Jerry Baderin for Jeff Wagner. Is Radio WTMJ. I, I'm in the camp. I'm glad that they've got the rest. I'm glad they've swept. And I know some people think you want to you want to keep it going. That a break, a long break after the 11 in a row, that may not be the best thing. I just, I definitely, I mean, whatever happens, the series starts on Friday. But 
I don't think there's going to be any advantage if either uh, Atlanta or the Dodgers, uh, you know, if, if they take it to five games and then they've played more recently than the Brewers, I think that's advantage Brewers. That's my opinion. And I just, I, a well-deserved rest, I mean, that the pitching staff, the relief, it's just, it's, the bullpen has been unbelievable. Do you know how close they came to shutting out Colorado in, the, in that suite? It's just, I, it's just been a joy to listen to, and I did listen to it. Now, let me be perfectly honest about this. I don't know the first thing about UFC. I don't watch it. I don't follow it. I just, I know nothing about it. Yet, I could not resist. Chaos erupts after Russian submits Conor McGregor in main event. The main event of UFC 229 erupted into a violent skirmish moments after Conor McGregor was mauled into submission by a Russian whose name I cannot pronounce because I'm not going to pretend to know anything about this. The Russian battered McGregor over four rounds before eventually locking in a a rear naked chokehold from which there could be no escape. McGregor tapped out after 303 of round four allowing the Russian to retain his UFC lightweight championship belt. Within moments of the end, the Russian sprinted towards the side of the octagon where McGregor's team was sitting and hurled his mouth guard in their direction. This is uh, from Gannett, by the way. Then, appearing to point towards McGregor's teammate, Dylan Dennis, he leapt over, he leaped over the top of the cage and jumped into the group. Chaos! ensued, with security struggling to gain control of the fracas, especially when another fight broke out in the octagon itself moments later. Finally, the parties were separated and restrained, but not before further ugly scenes, and the Russian was announced as the winner. However, as he was escorted out of the area, he was not presented with his belt inside the octagon. Because... And I don't say this sarcastically, I'm telling you, I don't know. I just, I I don't follow these things, so I don't know. Is this anomalous? Is this aberrant behavior? I mean, do these things break out at UFC? I don't know. I don't don't know that I've ever watched a full match, I think they're called, (laughs) he said sarcastically, in my life. So I, I I have no idea if this is bizarre as it sounds to me, because I don't know what's normal in UFC. I know that it's blown boxing off the map as a, a top-tier sport in America, not necessarily regaining that itself or, you know, or taking that from boxing. I wouldn't say it's of that stature. But I, I, just, I, I just find it very, very... Curious. Now, I'm making an editorial decision on the fly here. There's a story I teased. I'm going to mention it briefly, but I find it fascinating. So I'm going to find, try to find time to talk more about it tomorrow. This from CNN. How millennials could kill politics as we know it if they care to. A lot of people do not know this. How big a portion of the U.S. population Millennials have become, in part, by, well, attrition. And what I mean by that, 
we baby boomers are dying off. I'm a tail end boomer or an echo boomer, as some call it. But, you know, the oldest boomers are 72 years old. By 2020, at some point between November's midterms and the 2020 election, they are expected to surpass baby boomers as America's largest living generation. That's a massive voting bloc capable of setting policy priorities and swinging elections. So why hasn't that happened? What, what's the deal? Why haven't they become this force in American politics? The short answer, and this is the short answer, they're not paying attention. They're not dialed in. They're not engaged. Now, that's an un- a grossly unfair overgeneralization, which, by the way, millennials have become used to. They, they, they just have become used to being tagged, and quite frankly, with the worst of what their generation offers, and all of our generations have our best and our worst, right? The greatest generation wasn't the greatest at everything. We boomers, Gen Xers, uh, we all have our flaws. But in millennials, it just seems that we, as older generations, have tried desperately to brand them, identify them in any way we can with their, with their failings. I've talked a lot about this over the years on the radio, and I've gotten a lot of calls from millennials saying, hey, not me, hey, not me, hey, not me. I wonder if that's true when it comes to being dialed into politics. We're going to dial in to that tomorrow. Some final thoughts in two minutes. 253 News Radio WTMJ.